I'm Peter Markham, the Head of Digital Communications at the College, and I'm speaking to the College's Presidential Lead for International Affairs, Professor Mohammed Al-Uzri. Welcome, Professor Al-Uzri, and thank you for joining our special podcast to mark World Mental Health Day 2021. The theme of World Mental Health Day this year is mental health in an unequal world. So I'll start by asking you this. What are some of the barriers to care globally? Uh, thank you, uh, Peter, uh, for uh, the opportunity to highlight the issue of mental health in this uh, important day. One of the most important barriers to care for people with mental health problems globally, and it is not unique to any specific country, uh, it is across the globe and every in every country and every culture uh, uh, across the world, is stigma. People still, with all the improvement and development and the progress that have been made in terms of education and development of services, there remain a serious level of stigma towards mental health. And you can see it at every level. You can see it for the people who are less educated, and you can even see it in the kind of professionals and uh, highly educated. So, well, to, to a varying degree, but it exists at, uh, at all levels. And it has, uh, it, it is stigma, not only in terms of the way that it is perceived, but also affect the way services and care for mental health is uh, affected. Moving away from stigma, but related uh, to it, is that the severe treatment uh, gap, what we mean by that, is that uh, the number of people who need mental health problems and number of people who get treatment for mental health problems. I mean, we have some figures around 70% of people who need mental health uh, uh, services, they lack access uh, to care. And from the international perspective, there are countries with huge treatment gap. I mean, we're aware of the situation, for example, in, in Uganda, where there are 44 million people, and currently they have like 30 psychiatrists, mostly based in the, in the capital. We know from the Iraq Mental Health Survey conducted by the WHO. So the number of, uh, of people who who have mental health problems and access the service is only 11% of them access the service and it's only one third of those 11% do access mental health services, any kind of service. We're not talking about uh, high standards and, and quality uh, of care, but that just give you an idea about uh, the, the treatment gap. And as a college, we have worked in Iraq to help with the meet kind of closing this treatment gap, but remains a significant gap. Uh, the same thing currently, the college is working with TET and East London uh, uh, Foundation Trust to support and expand the reach of the mental health care to uh, into rural uh, areas. Unfortunately, another barriers, and again linked into the previous uh, ones is the lack of investment into services. It is it is much, uh, it is less difficult to make the case for other 
uh, health specialities when you request hospitals or equipments or the staff and it is harder for mental health to access support and, and investment and understandably with that the quality of care get compromised uh, a lot of time which represent another barrier why would people would be even more reluctant to access care so these are examples of the barriers that we have to mental health care across the world and you may have touched on this in your first answer but how are people with mental health conditions disadvantaged yes they are they are uh, exactly i touched on, upon it because going back into the stigma people with mental health problems uh, because of the stigma they will be reluctant to access care and being seen going to a mental health facility families who have member of their family suffers from mental illness they will be reluctant to acknowledge the need of that individual person in the family in accessing the service so that would affect them in the way that they need uh, for the for their member of uh, family unfortunately uh, we know that with mental health uh, uh, problems even uh, the mortality uh, rates kind of higher among people with mental health problems and in some of the serious uh, and severe mental health problems this can reach up to 20 uh, years less in, in taking of the average age of the of that population and and linked also to mental health problems lack uh, isolation from society and lack of opportunities for education and uh, and employment these are all losses not just to the individual but also to society thank you professor and then could you tell us why you and why the royal college of psychiatrists would say then it's important to address these issues stating the the obvious is that there's a global mental health uh, burden uh, which is already underestimated but figures from who and all the oh, just highlights how how mental health impact i think linked to that the way that society works and the lifestyle that changed significantly over the last century it really lend itself into more stressful kind of uh, vulnerability to stress and and the lifestyle that makes us more in need for uh, mental health uh, support so that highlights why it's important to uh, to address the mental health and that's why the college goes the extra mile to make sure that mental health is uh, is needed unfortunately we have an increase in mental uh, disabilities and one of the most devastating outcomes in mental health is suicide which we know kind of increased in certain parts of the world and association with with possibly with some lifestyle changes and changes in the kind of uh, the circumstances of that particular uh, country so that will be affected by the social demographic of that particular uh, country so you can see how it's all interlinked uh, mental health with the social social demographic with the circumstances with the stresses in life and that's why it's important at the heart of all this is maintain the, the mental health well-being so we've talked about what what the issues are 
What steps do you think need to be taken to achieve equitable mental health care? I think that what we, as a, as a psychiatrist, I only see patients, um, and this from, from my own practice, I only see really patients who are severely unwell, uh, who suffer from serious mental illness that end up coming to my facilities and needing my expertise. In reality, a lot of the mental health uh, needs are out there in the community and they don't need a psychiatrist uh, for that. That's why it is so important that we develop the services in the community, A, to reduce the stigma, B, to improve recognition and identification of mental health problems, and hopefully that would lead into better access uh, to mental health services. Obviously, it has to be uh, supplemented with investment in, in the community mental health uh, services, and that's working hand in hand with primary care across the world. Like I said, the primary care is, is where a lot of mental health problems are being dealt with, and we need to work very closely with them uh, to support them uh, uh, doing that. So that's one aspect in terms of service-wise. However, uh, uh, governments have a responsibility uh, and, and uh, in, in the form of legislation. Uh, people with mental health problems and, and disabilities among the most vulnerable in, in society, and that's why their rights need to be uh, protected in, in different ways. There is the kind of human rights way, but also when they become mentally unwell. And this is where, for example, we are fortunate in the United Kingdom that we have the Mental Health Act uh, that protects the right of the of the patients with mental health problems. The college is uh, privileged to uh, be able to support other countries in, in the world who developing their own mental health act. And we are example is that in Iraq and uh, in, in Egypt and uh, in, in the Middle East where we have supported the development of their local mental health act. So that's the legislation uh, element. There is also the importance of uh, supporting building capacity everywhere, whether it is here in the UK or abroad. And the college is kind of committed and leading in the world uh, as well as in the UK in developing the workforce and make sure that they are equipped with the, the necessary training and skills and knowledge to be able to deliver care for patients with mental health uh, problems. I mean, we're working with the, with both the, inside the UK and a lot of work uh, the college has engaged in abroad in, in improving the skills and the abilities of colleagues and professionals who deal with mental health problems, for example, using the WHO tool, the mental health gap. And this is where we can, we have done across the world, uh, helping uh, training our professionals, not just psychiatrists, but primary care and non-specialists. Uh, uh, we provide uh, continuous medical education, we provide supervision, and we have uh, a, a robust uh, system in place to support quality improvement uh, project and, uh, and, and, and safe uh, governance of uh, the organization that 
uh, deliver care for patients with mental health problems. Thank you, Professor. Now, you've touched on this uh, already, um, especially in your previous answer, but my next question for you is this. What is the college doing to help? And are you optimistic about the future? The, the college is, and, and I'm proud to belong to uh, my, my college that is committed itself not just to support raise standards and uh, support the delivery of care in, in the UK, but across across the globe. And the, the first international strategy that the college have launched uh, last year is committed to supporting colleagues across the world and our membership across the world to deliver the best quality of care that we can uh, achieve in, in whatever uh, circumstances. And following the objective of this strategy is divided into goals, the advocacy that we do uh, and on behalf of our patients and, and uh, of our uh, colleagues, the training that we share across uh, both here in the UK as well as, uh, as abroad, supporting uh, colleagues, building capacity, and we are working with officials as well as non-governmental non organization who are interested in, in, in mental health care to build, uh, to develop their governance, their legislation, uh, as well as build the capacity within their workforce regarding training in, uh, in mental health. The final point is going back into the, the title of the celebration of this year is really a, a, highlight the inequalities in, in mental health care across the world and across different health settings. And I think all this makes me feel optimistic. And I think as we have seen the last like 20 months or so, uh, and with, with COVID, with all the seriousness of the physical health problems, it also highlighted the mental health needs with this uh, 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 pandemic. And I think I've never in my professional kind of life noticed uh, uh, so high uh, mental health becoming so high profile and uh, on the agenda. So that would give me uh, optimism when everybody start talking about mental health. This is where attention and this is hopefully investment will follow. Fantastic. And, and I understand that, that we, the college, are liaising with government officials and ministries of health around the world to raise awareness of the inequalities and the barriers to access. And I also believe you're doing something special on Sunday, which um, to remind everyone again is, is World Mental Health Day. So can you just tell us about that, please? And and this is this is where um, we are. It, it's a, really a translation of our international strategy. We are privileged to uh, share with uh, a, a colleagues from uh, from Pakistan in celebrating uh, Mental Health Day and highlighting the needs of people with mental health problems, not just here in the UK, but also in countries across the world, uh, such as uh, Pakistan. Wonderful. Um, and I do have a final question, uh, which is this. What do you do to maintain your mental health or what advice would you give to the listeners of this podcast? Um, I'm not sure I can I can give people advice because every one of us is, is 
is uh, they have their own way and 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 style. But I can talk about myself how I deal with the, the, the important message is is how you deal with stress. Life can always have stress. This is a fact of life. It's really how we deal with stress. How do we make sure that we don't allow stress to paralyze us and lose kind of make us lose all our abilities and, and potential. And the important thing is that always find uh, ways of dealing with stress. And I do so many uh, things. I will try to socialize as much as I can. I will do try to do exercise. I try to eat the things that makes me feel uh, uh, kind of better uh, and healthier. I can't always, I'm not sure I always uh, doing that properly, but I, I do make an effort. So I think it's really the message is that uh, keep in touch with the people that you care and love uh, and socialize as much as you can. We, we discover that, I mean, the pandemic was again another example of how important we are. We are human beings. We are a social creature. We we do better when when we're together with uh, with other people, and with that is keep, try to keep a, a healthy lifestyle as much as as possible as the circumstances allow. Professor Alizri, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure.